Hi, I'm Harry Littman, host of Talking Feds, a roundtable that brings together prominent figures from government law and journalism for a dynamic discussion of the most important topics of the day. Each Monday, I'm joined by a slate of Fed's favorites and new voices to break down the headlines and give the insider's view of what's going on in Washington and beyond. Plus, sidebars explaining important legal concepts read by your favorite celebrities. Find Talking Feds wherever you get your podcasts. The world is pretty crazy right now, and separating out the noise from the news can be pretty tricky. Mueller, she wrote, is now the premier podcast dedicated to the Mueller investigation, and we owe that all to you. Please take a moment to rate us on Apple Podcasts and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Then feel free to share us with your like-minded friends and politicos. If you'd like to support women in podcasting and women in media, or just get in on the ground floor of our little project, head over to MullerSheWrote.com and subscribe now. For as little as $1 a month, you'll get access to the MSW Book Club, our entire archive of bonus episodes, ad-free content, our weekly newsletter, and all kinds of great thank you gifts. We can express how grateful we are to be able to bring you all the pertinent news each week, so thank you for making all this possible. This podcast contains laughter. So to be clear, Mr. Trump has no financial relationships with any Russian oligarchs. That's what he said. That's what I said. That's obviously what our position is. I'm not aware of uh, any of those activities. I have been called a surrogate at a time or two in that campaign, and I did have, not have communications with the Russians. What do I have to get involved with Putin for? I have nothing to do with Putin. I've never spoken to him. I don't know anything about him other than he will respect me. Russia, if you're listening, I hope you're able to find the 30,000 emails that are missing. So, it is political. You're a communist. No, Mr. Green. Communism is just a red herring. Like all members of the oldest profession, I'm a capitalist. Hello. Welcome to Mueller, She Wrote. This is the MSW Book Club. We're reviewing A Higher Loyalty by James Comey. And today we're going to be covering Chapter 7. I'm your anonymous host, AG. I work for the federal government, so I have to kind of keep a low profile. And also, I don't want to violate the Hatch Act. With me, as always, is Jaleesa Johnson. Hello. And Jordan Coburn. Hello. Hello. (laughs) Uh, Today's chapter is called Confirmation Bias. And uh, who's got the first first part here? That's me. All right, right on. Well, let's hit it. All right. So confirmation bias. In April 2004, when Goldsmith was still trying to get the Stellar Wind program sorted out, (laughs) gross photos from Abu Ghraib leaked. Uh, Iraqi detainees were being put into humiliating photos, angry dogs were being sicked on handcuffed prisoners, and there was just pure torture happening. So the the images took a huge toll on Bush's re-election. And with the entire civilized world condemning the actions of the U.S. government in Abu Ghraib, the CIA became concerned about a program of their own. So the U.S. was guilty of beating, starving, humiliating, and nearly drowning captives in 2002 at black sites outside of U.S. territory. So the, the CIA turned to the DOJ for legality purposes. Basically, they wanted something legal to justify their actions. And in June 2004, two months after Abu Ghraib, Goldsmith came to Comey to share his findings on their interrogation program. He spotted problems six months earlier and told the IC that they couldn't rely on their earlier legal work. But now that Stellar Wind was fixed, he completed his legal work and knew the Justice Department's explanations couldn't stand. Can I ask a question really quick? Absolutely. I see intelligence community, right? Yes. 
Yeah. Okay, yeah. Cool. yeah. Mm-hmm. The 12 or so programs. 17, but 17. four biggies. Yeah, Perfect. yeah. <laughs> organizations. Just clarifying for the listeners. Absolutely, yeah. So as with Stellar Wynn, the legal basis for the earlier interrogation program was super flawed. He believed the agency was going beyond even what the flawed opinions allowed. It was just another big mess. And with Abu Ghraib, it was all over the media. So this led to another battle in the Bush administration between a secret policy agenda and the rule of law. Okay, so when, when they say another battle, I think the initial battle they're talking about is what we covered in the last chapters mm-hmm. about the CIA enhanced interrogation techniques. Exactly. And them having to try to write um, legal opinions based on those and, and feeling like they couldn't. And so that's when they ran over to Ashcroft's mm-hmm. um, dead, dead hospital, bed. hospital yeah. bed. Yeah, okay. So I just wanted to throw that oh, in there definitely. For, for a continuance. I appreciate mm-hmm. that. So in 1994, Congress decided to define torture differently from how most of us see it. They defined it as the intentional infliction of severe mental or physical pain or suffering, which left a lot up to interpretation. So like confining someone in a coffin box or chaining someone to the ceiling without sleep for weeks. Those are obviously torturous things to do. But the way that Congress chose to define it by saying that the pain must be severe left doors open for judges to say those kinds of activities are not torture. That's like trying to find the legal basis and description for something that's lewd Mm -hmm. or, yeah. Yeah. yeah or you know indecent i forget what's what's the fucking word again it's like it has to follow no it has to lewd. follow yeah for something that's not yeah i think it's lewd yeah yeah indecent indecent so. uh, yeah and i mean that's like does waterboard severely hurt you no wow. will it fuck you up for life yes yeah yeah, yeah. definitely so in 2002 after 9 11 the CIA wanted to use physical tactics to coerce prisoners to give up other terrorist leaders, reveal plots, and maybe even save lives. So the CIA asked the legal counsel if things like cramped confinement, sleep dep- deprivation, simulated drowning, and water boring. Water boring. Oh, God. <laughs> it's very it's interesting, like the actually. the last way they described that. <laughs> yeah. Like, man, that was boring. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, waterboarding would violate the law. They didn't ask if it was a good idea or not. They wanted to know if it was legal. As with Stellar Wind, the DOJ was asked to make these decisions in times of crisis, when they could be blamed for future terrorist events if they didn't react strongly. The DOJ lawyers were assured by the CIA and the White House that physical abuse of al-Qaeda leaders were not only effective, but essential to save countless lives. Yeah. Under that pressure, the same lawyer who did the legal work for Stellar Wind, Stellar Wind prepared a legal option on the torture subject, defining it very broadly. He also wrote a separate opinion saying that the CIA tactics used on Abu Zabeda yeah. yes, did not constitute torture under the law. Abu Zabeda was their first subject. So the CIA was cleared to use whatever they wanted on Zabeda, from slapping him to keeping him awake and waterboarding. By 2003, when Goldsmith became the head of the office and Comey became the deputy attorney general, the CIA had already relied on that legal advice to aggressively interrogate subjects at various black sites outside the U.S. Comey was not looking forward to another ugly fight against the same forces in the White House. The fight over Stellar Wind was so stressful. It was a stressful time for Comey and his family. He thought he was going to lose his job, and he and Patrice were not in a good place financially as the parents of five kids as some were approaching college age. So Comey agreed with Goldsmith, though, in that the legal opinion about torture was simply wrong. So he met with Ashcroft and said he wanted to withdraw the DOJ's early opinion on these matters, and Ashcroft agreed. 
They both recognized they'd leave some CIA personnel exposed, in a sense, because they'd done some illegal things relying on the legality of the old opinion. You know who comes to mind for me is Gina Haspel. Oh, mm-hmm. who's that? She's now the head of CIA. Yeah. Oh. She was getting a lot of pushback because of her roles in torture. Mm-hmm. Wow. And a lot of people were like, well, she was following orders. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people were like, you don't follow those orders. Yeah. Like Comey took a stand for the most but part. But the main yeah. part was that she was unable to say for whatever reason uh, during her confirmation hearings that mm-hmm. what they were doing was immoral. Right. She wouldn't say that. Mm. Um, and that bothered a lot of people. Yeah. Because then she'd have to be admitting she was acting immorally in the exactly. past. Exactly. And yeah, that would that would open a, 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 a door there for Democrats to say, so you acted immorally even, even though, though you knew yeah. that it was immoral. Yeah. And I think Comey is one of the few people that are admitting that. He's like, look, I did some things that I stand by and others that I could have done differently. But he's like... Well, no, he never used enhanced interrogation techniques. Right. And this one, he took a hard stance. But just admitting just that you're... Yeah. I think it's better to admit that flaw than to just like deny it yeah even if it hurts you it's still better to have that public opinion of honesty so yeah even though they had a right to rely on the old opinion and had acted based on bad advice from the justice department and knew that it couldn't continue so an opinion had to be written that was legally sound and firmly grounded in the facts and that's part one excellent thank you so much yeah and it was it was interesting and i'm not sure because he doesn't specifically mention gina haspel Mm -hmm. i don't know that she was uh at the point that he wrote this book that she was being considered but a very similar Um, situation there almost identical but now oddly after this book comes out she's up for Hmm. for direct cia director and all of these things about and i think go later on in the chapter it talks about destroying evidence um which she was complicit in she did so so it's, it's like kind of it's very relevant and pointing I, a finger a little bit. Yeah, yeah. And he, the, that he spent a lot of time on it is is interesting. It yeah. is good point. All right, so Jordan, you're going to hit part two of this uh, uh, chapter seven. Yeah, yeah. So just continuing on, uh, it's not the role of the Department of Justice to judge the value of this program for our country. It's their job to evaluate it and then as appointed officials of an elected president to give them their opinion, their legal opinion on it, and then let the powers do what they're going to do with it. Um, which is unfortunate because (laughs) those are usually the people that fuck up. Oh, yeah. Uh, So the FBI had concluded long ago that coercive interrogations were not effective. It's They're getting misinformation. They'll just get people that say shit just because if they speak, then the torture stops sometimes. It's Mm -hmm. not like there's any way for them to verify if the information they're giving them is correct. Exactly. Especially if they're looking for something they don't already know. Um, So the information, it's more or less useless. The FBI over decades developed rapport with the prisoners instead, building upon interrogation techniques and forming a trusting relationship with them. And they find that that is significantly more effective than any sort of physical or mental coercion you can try to force upon somebody. Mm -hmm. The FBI succeeded time after time in getting life-saving intel from mobsters, terrorists, and criminals. They had a history of this. As a result, Comey and Goldsmith were both very skeptical about the CIA's assertions that their torture program worked. It strikes Comey as a kind of shit pushed by chicken hawks and administration <laughs> officials who'd seen a lot of movies but had never actually been in the storm, quote unquote. Hmm. So they sit there and they think mm-hmm. that they're yeah, that their stuff's gonna <laughs> work and then are completely inflating the results of torture and yeah. And I think he based a lot of his arguments on, with Ashcroft on that or you know, at least with Gutierrez and Addington, um, that, you know, we we actually have um evidence based uh, information stating that these rapport building and relationship techniques work f- 
work. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know that you have, the CIA has any evidence that your coercion tactics work, but right. they would say, oh, it works. They would say it. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, and so without that proof, without that evidence, the, you know, Comey just didn't feel comfortable that and it's just completely immoral writing mm-hmm. these legal opinions to, to, to back them up. Yeah, yeah, exactly. A lot of times they, these, these government agencies cannot go forward unless they have a supporting legal opinion. Mm-hmm. They just can't. And that's part of one of the checks and balances, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, they're both in the executive branch, but, but still, it's you like know checking I mean. your like, own balance. <laughs> check your own balance. <laughs> yeah. Balancing your own Hashtag check. Hashtag check yeah. your own balance. <laughs> yeah, that that's a good point. The issue for them was that they had already been on record saying that it was effective and it mm-hmm. was okay. And now they had to reverse it. And so at that point, it's like... Well, now you have to overturn legal basis that your own entity already set. Right. Stiller wind. Yeah. Uh, Stiller wind. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So CIA leadership and the powerful administration officials who backed them up, they like that were like Dick Cheney, had a really disturbing point of view. They were driven by one of the most powerful and disconcerting forces in human nature. The title of this chapter, Confirmation Bias. So for those of you that have heard this but maybe aren't exactly aware of what it is, basically confirmation bias uh, can be explained by this. Our brains have evolved essentially to crave information that's consistent with what we already believe. So we seek out and we focus on facts and arguments that support our beliefs. We may not even consciously perceive facts that challenge us. And in a complex and changing world, our confirmation bias makes it very difficult um, for us to just be, you know, rational people, honestly. Totally. Um, we simply can't change our minds. It's it's almost, uh, we talk about this a lot on this podcast, actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We just, do talk about confirmation bias a lot. Had, we, and we're always pretty one-sided about it, why, why Trump supporters continue to support Trump. Mm-hmm. But we've broken some stories that don't jive with what we want the end result to be. And while it's hard for us to do that, uh, when we get these inf- these reports and details that, you know, aren't fucking Alex Jones tinfoil hat BS right. stories, but like legit reporting from what I consider to be credible sources like The Intercept or whatever, uh, I have to tell you about it and I have to tell myself about it because I, if we ignore it, again, this we're just falling kind of victim to this kind of confirmation bias and i don't want that to happen right it's important to check ourselves totally yeah mm-hmm. yeah like with the schneiderman thing it's very tempting to fall into the narrative of oh how convenient that you have you know women that have gone straight to cohen they didn't even go to the police and yeah. it's resulting in schneiderman leaving when he was the state equivalent of Mueller, basically yeah. and you can't though because these are women that are coming forward saying they're assaulted you just can't but the confirmation it's like a dual confirmation bias almost one that's Mm -hmm. loyal to i feel like the difference is is i'd rather err on the side of being a good person absolutely than err on the side of separating children from their from migrant mothers or err on the side of of hurting other people or um err on the side of ballooning the deficit or err yeah. on the side of enriching my friends like and, th- and and that's where people who try to make an equivalency between a moral equivalency between the two parties is where i have to put my hand up and say mm-hmm, right. no apples to oranges one but... party if they're wrong was at least trying to help people yep. yes. the other party if they were wrong was trying to hurt people intentions yep. matter totally and that's why i have a weirdness with a uh, relative uh, moral relativity exactly is, is because i'm like no 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 intentions make a difference yeah you are doing bad things and they're clearly bad i love that <laughs> i've never considered that that it's the intentions that make the difference in morality it's so not, if i'm wrong yeah. about this ag schneiderman thing 
I stood up for women. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, if Trump's wrong about, or if a Trump supporter is wrong about Trump's tax cuts, they try to hurt. We have people. a zillion dollar deficit. Exactly. Wow, great yeah. point. Yeah, yeah. I definitely think at a crossroads, I'm always going to go with the explanation or or with the action that's going to support people that have been systemically, you know, disenfranchised, oppressed. Yeah. So in the Schneiderman case, it's women. Yeah. And I mean, ICE, I've never even thought of falling on the other side, but with with ICE, it's children and undocumented people. It's it's just, yeah. I think, I think I'm going to call it erring on the side of humanity. Right. Wow. I know, which seems, and this is why Republicans get pissed off, right? Because they say that Democrats are like moral superior, superiors, like they practice being superior. It's like when a celebrity makes a charity in their name, like they made a charity. Why is that a problem? Just because they want attention. And I don't want, I don't want kids to be ripped away from their mothers. I don't want, uh, I want people to have health care. I'm erring on the side of giving people health care. Right. Yes. And someone's arguing with me and I'm like, bro, I want your family to have free health care. I want your children to be healthy exactly. and I want you to be healthy and I want you to be happy and live your life to, to the me, fullest. It's common sense. Even if you run around uh, seeking Heil, uh, seeking Heil and being a racist asshole, I want you to be a healthy racist asshole. <laughs> right. And have the right to even do that. So too. who's yes. on the wrong side and who's on the right side? Mm-hmm. I, I just know I'm on the side that would rather, I would rather err on the side of humanity. I mm-hmm. love that. Wow. Yeah, I was talking a to memoir. my little, <laughs> sorry. I was talking to my little sister. She's 16. She was just talking, she's, you know, we grew up in a very liberal family. So mm-hmm. we were all very politicized. Actually, that's not true. On my mom's side, they're fucking idiots sometimes <laughs> they're like, like glenn out. beck watching o'reilly loving just you know super conservative people but for more or less me and my little sister jackie are very liberal and uh she's getting frustrated with how a lot of the time she's seeing cnn even write sort of clickbaity titles that are so obviously leaning towards mm-hmm. like the the media bias that they yeah. get and it's pissing off because it's like you're reporting facts mm-hmm. you don't have to put a spin on it that makes it easier for the other right, side like the story to... that we covered in in the in the bonus episode uh 17 intelligence agencies agree mm-hmm. right uh no they were ahead of the four yeah. agreed the other 17 didn't disagree and right me, but they really had nothing to do with it yeah right. so could and we like not need to do that yeah, yeah you it... could just say cia fbi and i say agree yeah right that's now, big enough clickbait sure. you're right about it being unnecessary i think also clickbait in this political sense help them um like gather people that aren't necessarily political like nerds and they would be like oh this is an interesting article yeah. it's my attention i know it's not the most you know decent thing for them. yeah but, yeah, like, but i'd rather instead of you uh aggrandize it or mm-hmm. exaggerate it maybe just put it into simpler terms yes yeah um, yeah layman in terms. order to get the layman in there you that go. aren't the political Good junkies point. there's right. no reason to say i mean you don't you can say four intelligence agencies agree mm, you're right that was straight up wrong yeah, yeah um, when they said 17 yeah but yeah there is definitely a problem where the news isn't the correct news isn't getting out and in the fact that 51 to 59 percent yeah, of americans like, don't know that any criminal criminality has been discovered in the Mueller investigation mm-hmm. and you know we're over here and i can tell you 89 22 exactly. 17 like i can tell you exactly how, <laughs> how many yeah. people and what their names are and who's in prison already totally but you have to be invested because the mainstream media is not digging 
digging deep. They're too busy being superficial, like you guys are saying. Well, and like Rabia said on our call this week, there's a certain amount of fatigue. People yeah. are getting tired. And, and while we may have had a two-year uh, attention span in the 70s mm-hmm. for Watergate. We don't have that anymore. We certainly don't. And that doesn't, it's not wrong. No, we just we don't. keep up. We, we just adjust. We just take in data at higher volumes yeah. and, and release it at higher volumes. It doesn't It doesn't mean we're worse people. Right. It just means we're, we're programmed differently now because the amount of data that we receive right. on a daily basis. Totally. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, we just have to definitely be, keep our eyes open for that confirmation yeah, bias. exactly. Yeah, to bring it full circle, it, mm-hmm. it's it's like what we were talking about is the confirmation bias that they're essentially enacting when they do post articles that are possibly overreaching things, you know, like the school shooting statistics, for example. They count things at school shootings where people read it and they think it's like mass shootings or something. But it's just like a and then it's like, you know, any sort of yeah, lot. like yeah. any sort of gun yeah. violence. Like and happen. mass shootings have a specific definition right. Right. Uh, for to public discourse. Better. Right. Yeah. You should define and that and better, consent better. There's yeah. all kinds of things I think we don't define well enough. Mm-hmm. And I think that the issue becomes if we are more if these are moral arguments and they're based in you know morality you don't need to aggrandize them because you're fundamentally right you can just report on the facts and feel good about Mm -hmm. those and operate on that so that we don't have like you know other people that are able to put it in our face that we're just doing morality and fact stuff has always been a weird thing to me but now it makes sense in this context i'm like yeah you're right it is factual and you have to decide what's a fact, like for your own, like just sanity. And so in this case, yeah, I think morality can be a matter of fact. But or, yeah, opinion. I used to think it was only opinion. I used to be like, oh, if immorality is whatever you think it is. If but- you like murdering, it's good for you. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, exactly. But onto what you were saying, oh, I had a point. What was it? Um, it was perhaps about um, talking. Oh, the school shootings. Mm-hmm. Right. And we're in fundamentally being sort of if we're right and can rely oh, on our but here's where I, I have where we that can become a problem being soft putting out facts not aggrandizing mm-hmm. when you're running against a party who does that mm-hmm. and does it well and maybe has the Russian backup and the UAE backup and They'll the Saudi backup yeah. they're going to beat you yeah. so we there are situations where I think it's necessary for Democrats or people on the left or progressives um, more so Democrats, centrist Democrats, to grow a backbone mm-hmm. and stop trying to be n- no more Mr. Nice Guy, right. basically. Play hardball. Yeah. Um, it's just hard to scream goodness and normalcy mm-hmm. um, at people. Right. Uh, that's true. You know, be reasonable has never really been a battle cry oh for anybody. Gosh, it's a funny chance. Even though that's what conservatives love to say is the foundation of their opinions. Yeah. But they're over here coming up with terms like spygate and witch hunt. It sounds and, fun. And, and it, it grabs you. And that's what makes... Uh, Fascism. 45, <laughs> yeah. a master marketer. It's what made Hitler a master marketer. Oh, totally. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we have to also get in that game as well. Yes. But for news organizations, I'm t- I'm 100% with you. Yeah. Um, and but, luckily, we're on the outside of that. But yeah, yeah, yeah. so we, we're going to have to have our cable news networks that are for that kind of aggrandizement really start marketing the democratic message or the yes. uh, at least a progressive message or however you want to tag yourself, the not Republican message. Mm-hmm. Um and not Gary Johnson. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so that it's it does have to be clickbait. It does have to be marketing and it does have to be aggrandized. Yeah. Right. If you're doing it for the right reasons. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. I guess just generally limit the fact that that's what our society has come to. But yeah, you're right. You kind of got to get in the thick it of it. It is disappointing. Sometimes. Yeah. yeah. Um, so just to bring it back, mm-hmm. confirmation bias, we basically can't change our minds. Uh, there's more to it than 
biology also there's just the the politics of it wherever there's doubt it's derided as a weakness right so mm-hmm. we kind of were talking about this during your segment just now Jalisa. if someone if leaders feel a super big pressure to be certain in everything that they do everything that they say should be 100 percent supported by you know Everyone yeah, <laughs> yeah yeah blind support really yeah and in a healthy organization though doubt's not a weakness comey's saying mm-hmm. it's wisdom oh. uh he, there's a quote in the book it says people are most dangerous when they're sure their cause is just and their facts are right Ooh. and i agree because that's when confirmation bias is in full effect yeah like the more you know the more you know you don't know stuff like that kind of idea like wise people well, the opposite of that. the opposite oh, okay, yeah, okay, yeah like yeah. they're not willing to let anything in that yeah, they would yeah. consider themselves like not maybe knowing. people who say that's conjecture but i'm right mm-hmm. <laughs> Somebody like that, maybe? It might be. <laughs> That's a nice a good self-reflection for us. That's true. We f- I, I'm sure we, yeah, we confirmation bias as fuck, but we do a really good job, I think. <laughs> we we reflect being... on it. You think Alex exactly. Jones is ever like, wait, am I being too biased right now? Listen LOL. There's <laughs> gay frogs you have oh, to deal yeah. with. Yeah, That's how I was born. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'm frogs. not a gay frog. I'm a gay lizard. Oh, God. Okay, so our, our modern culture makes it incredibly hard for leaders to express any sort of humanity and right or doubt yeah, yeah exactly admitting doubt or error is career suicide now essentially it's a shame it yeah, really is it's crazy yeah um there's a quote in the book here it says imagine supporting a leader who as he finished his time at the helm told us the told us he uh thought he didn't do anything intentionally wrong he was sure that he had made many mistakes and prayed that his mistakes didn't hurt people and hoped we would forgive and forget the times that he was incompetent that weakling would have been run out of town on a rail. Yeah, yeah. Especially saying it like that would be terrible. Yeah, yeah. but do you know who said it? Oh, no, I don't. It was uh, George Washington. <gasps> yeah. That was his farewell to the country in 1796. Wow. See, he chose the last minute to say it because he knew that they didn't want to hear no, it in it, the beginning. It, no, but uh, w- w- the reason he was able to say that, I, I, maybe I'm just respectfully disagreeing with yeah, you, yeah. is that we didn't have that confirmation bias problem back then. Back then, oh. leaders were allowed to express doubt and weakness by, and seemed wiser in doing so. Right. Not in today's society where if you're not 100% right 100% of the time and weak, yeah. always winning and fire and fury, all of the likes mm-hmm. of which the world has never seen. And that's why he speaks in these... Uh, these tones of absoluteness the likest of which has never been seen yeah. like he says that so much the best, extreme and, words. The, yeah. best the greatest of all time mm-hmm. the likes of the world has never seen and and that's the opposite of, of what of, you think of used to be a I healthy agree. organization mm-hmm. and oh, a good leader true. and somebody who has wisdom and doubt like george washington mm-hmm. you're totally right i agree and i also think it's that he was on his way out i think it's both i think he knew because he, he was leaving he was also just known to be morally super sound i guess i guess yeah yeah <laughs> it was a different time for sure yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. You're or right at about least that. more so than leaders now i know yeah because yeah, the point of that was if, if trump said that at the end of his presidency he would be run out of town on a rail it would actually be really cool to hear him say like i'm sorry he would that, never he would that. never but yeah i think that would be like and a sign of strength difference. for him which is what right. it's a saying. sign of strength for any leader yeah, it is. yeah i remember learning about when clinton apologized for how he handled rwanda and mm-hmm. that was the first time i think i had ever actually seen a politician literally apologize yeah. for a decision they made they need yeah. to i mean they, to act like they're not making mistakes in their term is ridiculous mm-hmm. yeah but you you won't win you won't that's so sad it's and, our fault too for not letting them be human yes mm-hmm. i agree completely 100 percent and it's it, a lot of it rests on the shoulders of confirmation bias. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
In the Bush administration, um, Cheney, Addington, and others decided that enhanced interrogation was what worked, and they were going to stick to it, like we just talked about. They can't waver, no doubt. That's just their message. They simply could not accept the evidence that contradicted their beliefs. So they see it as people standing in the way of allowing these activities were needlessly putting lives at risk. They're going forward with this message that these practices are essential to saving lives. Right. I think they they tried to guilt trip Comey on that, too. You're risking thousands of lives mm-hmm. yeah. with yeah. your bullshit mm-hmm. yep. uh, morality. Yep. Yeah. yeah. That, that's not exact quote. That's I'm paraphrasing. <laughs> paraphrasing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah um, the U.S. Department of Justice, they had made mistakes in advising the administration on surveillance and interrogation. That's just a fact, Comey's mm-hmm. saying. They made mistakes on it. If the Department of Justice was going to be of use to the United States and the president, they just had to fix their errors. That's why they exist. Right. Um, to do otherwise would mean the Department of Justice had become just another member of the partisan tribe. So they need to basically willing to say what needed to be said to help our side. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, The administration of justice must be even-handed, Comey says, throughout this entire book. Justice wears a blindfold. She's not supposed to be able to peek out to see how her political master wants her to weigh a matter. Wow. Political master gives me the chills. Yeah. And just thinking about the, like, Lady Justice having a political master, it's like, who would that be? Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm guessing it's, like, not supposed to exist, right? That's the idea. The law. Yeah. Yeah. Is her political master. She doesn't have a political master. Right. The idea is The law is her master. And and, and, And that's, like, kind of... I think uh, over and over again, what Kobe's trying to drive home in this mm-hmm. book, like, you, you shut up. Like, no one, no <laughs> one is her boss, you know. Like, unless it's the law. Yeah, she, yeah, she doesn't serve at the pleasure of the president right but trump thinks he's the law so there's that yeah and i think comey has a great part in this chapter where i really encourage you all to get the book seriously so you can just read all these amazing things that comey does but um forgive my sound of opening up the book (laughs) but he describes the the relationship of the department of justice and the political world as turbulent waters where it's uh, it's it's where turbulent waters and the placid waters of the apolitical meet, mm-hmm. and the Department of Justice essentially is at that point where this serenity is meeting this chaos, basically. And he says that their job is to respond to the political imperatives of the president and the voters who elected him, while also protecting the apolitical work of the thousands of agents, prosecutors, and staff who make up the bulk of the institution. So long as the leaders understand the turbulence, they can find their footing. And then I really like this quote. It's independent role, uh, it's being the Department of Justice, Mm -hmm. it's independent role in American life has been lost and the guardians of justice have drowned. Oh, snap. Chills when I read that. And waterboarded. Yeah, the systematic chipping away of faith in the justice system mm-hmm. uh, perpetrated yeah. by the president. And it's been mm-hmm. a long time coming. I think uh, Chris Clue mentioned how like the fall of an empire, so to speak, in our last episode, it like takes a couple hundred years. And so now we're at a point where I feel like all of this is just kind of pointing towards if we don't do something dramatic, we're kind of in decline as, as a country. We'll go the way of Rome. Yeah, totally. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah, and he more. mentioned several of the, yeah, all the Asian dynasties. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, 400, 500 years than, is the max. And we're yeah. halfway through it. And it's showing that we're in the last half. England's going <laughs> strong. They are. I was you know what? Say, Good I, point. I, I 
feel maybe we could follow Europe's. Some can, of yes. must, be the, must be the healthcare. We can change yeah. our fate. Yeah, I don't free healthcare. It's like <laughs> chill a out, point. Can get a doctor. Sane. Yeah, have an apple. It's true. If you go to get him some things, mental health help, you fucking go crazy. Yeah, just yeah. Trying, like the mad trying grab to get for it. resources. Exactly. Canada would outlive us. They're chill yeah. as fuck. If politics is who gets what, when, and how, oh, then that is what politics is. My government teacher in high school first defined it as that. It's very helpful. So yeah, it's a mad grab if you don't have a good system. Mm-hmm. Um, so, sorry, I'm finished up this chapter. No, that's great. Go ahead. Thank you for letting us digress into conversation. Yes. <laughs> um, so, one evening in spring of 2004, Patrice, Comey's wife, uh, looks at him, and she knew that something was weighing him down. She'd seen all the media coverage about the treatment of captives, and she said to him that torture is wrong. Don't be the torture guy. <laughs> Comey says, what? You know, I can't talk about that stuff. I don't want to talk about it. Uh, she says, just don't be the torture guy. I love she's the best like that's that's a wife you want she's a badass yeah Yeah, yeah. she's a total badass the prospect of being the torture guy kept Comey up at night Uh, naked men defecating in their diapers unchained um, they were to yeah only unchained to be abused and convinced that they were drowning only to be rechained and to just continually be abused that's insane for anyone because how do you look at someone even that like has committed such crimes and you still decide day after day to be like them Mm -hmm. like that sucks yeah it's awful in june 2004 goldsmith formally withdraws legal opinions that had supported the 2002 interrogations addington was of course furious At a meeting that Comey was not at, Addington pulled out a card that included all of the classified opinions written since 9-11 and sarcastically asked Goldsmith to ask the Justice Department which ones they still stood by. Mm. This is like a classic cross-examination tactic to mm-hmm. just like list out all your consistencies and try to fluster the other person it's a yeah. fucking like what's move. your real it's, problem with this yeah, yeah it's yeah. i wonder um too and i'm sorry to interrupt oh, if no when comey was talking about being the torture guy keep keeping him up at night and thinking about all the uh, abused prisoners if he ever thought about the milgram experiment and he didn't mm. mention this in the book but do you guys know the milgram experiment Stanley milgram i do yeah not. because it, it applies a lot to particularly abu Ghraib and why people go along with torturous things without feeling like they're being morally comp- hmm. compromised basically um the milgram experiment uh on obedience to authority figures. It was a series of uh, social psychological experiments at Yale University by Stanley Milgram. They measured the willingness of student participants, men from a diverse range of occupations with varying levels of education, to obey an authority figure who instructed them to perform acts uh, that conflicted with their personal conscience. Um, They were led to believe that they were assisting an unrelated experiment in which they had to administer electric shocks to a person. Um, and but they were fake electric shocks, but they would gradually increase mm. to levels that would have been fatal wow. had they been real. And they could hear the screams of the person they were shocking. Yet they continued to do it. And they were fake screams. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. There's good. like actors being like, oh. that's that's incredible. So just the psychological aspect alone made them willing to do it. Yeah. Apparently, a very high proportion of men would fully obey the instructions, um, albeit reluctantly. Um, but he, this was all back in the sixties. Yeah. And, uh, I know Mueller is, is of that time and I know Comey is uh, maybe mm-hmm. a little bit younger, but of that time. And so I, I'm wondering how much they thought about the Milgram experiments mm. and, and 
how much we can blame people for going along with authority figures totally. when we're psychologically predisposed to do so. Right. Totally. When you don't think you have a choice or even yeah. when you think you do. Or yeah. when you're simply a conduit, you view yourself as a conduit instead of the initiating actor exactly. of something. It's yeah. way easier to mm-hmm. be like, okay. And then they and think these people are criminals anyway or something. Mm-hmm. And that's why his Department of Justice opinions weighed so heavily on him and were so important to him is because if he gives somebody permission they are no longer responsible for i mean they are responsible for their actions but they can feel like they're not anymore and they're more likely to go along with these Mm -hmm. kind of abuses uh and stuff that had happened particularly in abu Ghraib. right and while that experiment the milgram experiment was on men there were several women in in abu Ghraib who were uh, found to be participating in this awful horrible torture um and I'm waiting on psychological profiles and, and experiments and or at least um, some qualitative studies on why they did that. Yeah. Because yeah. oh I know they gosh. didn't want to. Yeah. But they did it. And they were smiling while they did it. Oh. It's scary. You don't think they scary. wanted to? You think they were brainwashed or something like that? Well, there's a psychological predisposition to when you're allowed by authority figures or told by authority figures and allowed by the law to do something, you do it. Mm-hmm. And you smile? Damn. Well, yeah, she was. there were some people getting a little carried away. Yeah, yeah but also, I wonder. Yeah. There's also like Philip Zimbardo's experiments of um, the prisoner. They got like a group of people that were supposed to play prisoners and then a group of people that are supposed to play the guards. Oh, yeah, and, I've heard about that yeah, one. And, they and like, the guards went crazy. Yes, they get crazy. They get like super, you know, assholey. They got and, realistic. Yeah, and and the prisoners are getting totally screwed over, right? And so mm-hmm. then they switch the groups, and then they see how easily it was for the prisoners to turn into the dick guards. Even though they were just and there. Do, yeah. And, and that's what blows that. me away about what happened in Ukraine um, after Yanukovych fled to Moscow. When they went into his property and looked around, they didn't destroy anything. They didn't loot anything. They didn't, they weren't. They weren't. They like, didn't turn around and become yeah. the dick guards. Mm-hmm. Oh. Dick guards <laughs> and um, condoms. Yeah, patent pending <laughs> athletic cups. Uh, they were chill. They went in. They went to find evidence. They wanted to see what it was like, and they didn't. There wasn't that real violent kind of mm-hmm. overthrow backlash. Yeah, and and is that because they have health care? Is that because they have right. mental health care? I'm wondering. I'm sensing a pattern here. Ag, you mentioned it twice now. Yeah. yeah. I, c- I can create a pattern with two things. I dig it. I dig it. <laughs> three's better. We yeah. should start with You only need two dots to make a line. <laughs> yeah. Let's yeah. see if that saves so America. Need three to triangulate the data. <laughs> yeah, that's true. So, uh, yeah. But no, I mean, you know, it's that I think that, that honestly, I think free health care and access to mental health care is the answer for a lot of things. That and education is on the other pillar. Oh, totally. But like... Beyond that, yeah. we're podcasts. We are where yeah, <laughs> yeah. We are where we are. So it's, anyway, I didn't want to interrupt, but I thought oh, no, of those experiments. Yeah, that's really smart. Very interesting. And and brought that in. It's like so much easier to act in a morally correct way when your human needs are met. Yeah, it's your, your basic human needs. Yeah, yeah. Like Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Right to think Definitely. altruistically and to turn the other cheek. Wow. And, and yeah, mm-hmm. well, I it's, hope it's more been people in, run like that with that in mind. For you know, for me, it's been incredibly easy for me to be a more philanthropic and a person more of a help helpful person somebody who serves other people mm-hmm. dedicates my life to service because i got two free college degrees and i have free health care for life so you see the benefit you live to benefit i yeah. want everyone to have that so that they don't so that's not taking up 80 percent of your brain worrying yeah. about being sick becoming sick yeah. going mm-hmm. bankrupt 
a job, yeah, all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. You, know, you get once stuck those, in a cycle of yeah. trauma. <laughs> so and I think we need to move up that bottom level of the triangle on Maslow's hierarchy of need to include those types of things. Absolutely. For sure. Go for it. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, well, I was just going to continue on, so if you oh, want to say something about the conversation. I was just going to say, yeah, it just made me think of that Kanye quote that I was telling you about the other day. It's like having money is not everything, not having it is. So mm-hmm. some rich people or you know, people in power think, oh, they just want everything. It's like, no, we just want enough. We just want to live. <laughs> like, And then we can discuss other stuff. But people think that, that you want like a mile because you're asking for an inch, but that inch is everything. The mile is bonus. You know, like that's not necessary. The opinions of Kanye West are not necessarily the opinions of MillerSheWrote.com, AG, or Joden Corbin. Oh my god, I love it. Very good point. <laughs> Thank you, AG. You keep bringing up Kanye every day, and I'm like... You know, he's like Trump. Girl. Every now and then, he's got a little bit of genius, but most of it is all ego. You're right. Yeah. <laughs> You're killing me, small. I'm so sorry. Yeah, it's okay. Like hey, you know what? Uh, like... Doubt is wisdom, mm-hmm. and bringing in other people's perspectives, no matter how much you hate them yeah. and how idiotic they are, is important. You're yes. right. So that's yeah. what we're doing here. Thank you. Uh, although, like I said, the opinions of Kanye yes, are yes. not necessarily the opinions of Melissa. We need that disclaimer. Yes. We do. <laughs> not saying who said it. I do think that is a very astute observation. It totally. is true. It's how yeah. I feel too. It's I'm sure he wasn't the first. Life. You know? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like. I don't want to live my life for the purpose of giving money, but at a certain point, if I don't have money, I have to live my life in a way just to not not have money. Exactly. Yeah. It's just that basic thing. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, so Comey assured <laughs> Goldsmith that Addington's anger is always a good indicator that they're on the right path. Just a little reminder, we're talking about <laughs> uh, Goldsmith formally withdrawing the legal opinions. Oh, yeah, that, that pissed supported. off Addington. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So um, Addington is very pissed off about that. Um, Addington, who's a bully, <laughs> spoke to Philbin privately and said that based on this and the episode with Stellar Wind, he believed that Philbin violated his oath to support and defend the Constitution. <laughs> Jesus. <clears throat> so much extreme language. <laughs> he suggested that it gets worse. He suggested that Philbin resigns and vowed that he would personally see to it that he was never promoted anywhere else in the government. Wow. I just love to create all of the superlatives or tally all the superlatives that they use. (laughs) Never, anywhere, Mm -hmm. always, yeah, everything, Mm -hmm. maybe. Like the world has never seen. (laughs) You like the world's never seen. Witch hunt. Yeah, they just live in clickbait. Goldsmith was a step ahead of Philbin, however, uh, and when he withdrew the legal opinions on interrogation, he said he was resigning to return to academia. He had had enough as it was. Working the new interrogation advice would fall to Dan Levin. Is it Levine? I think it's or Levin. Levin sounds right. I think it's Levin. Mm-hmm. Okay, I think it's Levin too. <clears throat> um, so Levin was gifted and careful, very careful, with a dark sense of humor. Kind of reminds me of Mueller. Yeah. Hmm. In an earlier role supporting Mueller at the FBI. Levin was referred to as the funeral director. Yeah, Mueller was the chipper one. Yeah, that's funny. <laughs> that's, that gives you an idea of Levin. Yeah, right? Next like door, of like, he's the funeral director. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so, But Levin really throws himself into reworking the legal guidance on this interrogation program. This is hardcore, what I'm about to say. Levin actually underwent waterboarding himself to understand it better. 
Whoa. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like spraying yourself with pepper spray times 1,000. Exactly. Oh, my goodness. Well, he didn't do it to you. Yeah, can't do it to yourself. Right, right. It's one of those tickling things. Yeah, Yeah. I've heard that cops do that with pepper spray, so it made me think of that. Yeah, but he went under. Yeah, yeah, that's a good comparison, Mm -hmm. because in the military, we all have to go in with our gas masks on into a room full full with tear gas, and then we have to take our masks off and stand there for, I think, three minutes. Yeah, Matt Bird told me about that once. And then we're allowed to leave. Wow. It's crazy. Dramatic cat podcast. piano playing. The, pod, the podcasts are playing the piano today for you in the background. I'm not sure if you can hear it. We, I'm, we, thanks to our listeners, thanks to our yeah. you guys, our patrons. We have some very sophisticated microphones now, and uh, you might be yeah picking up podcasts on the keys. Yeah. I just imagine your husband AG trying to recreate that viral cat playing the piano video. Keyboard cat. That's amazing. Uh, so. Levin, who actually undergoes waterboarding, later tells Comey that this was the worst experience of his life. Oh, my goodness. Um, Fast forward to December 2004. Levin and the Office of Legal Counsel finished the interrogation opinion. It was really impressive, careful, and thoughtful, Comey remarks. Tethered tightly to the CIA's information on how the program worked so they can't complain much about it not being based in fact, uh, Levin concluded that intentionally inflicting severe mental suffering was a separate category of prohibitive conduct under the law against torture. This is a huge deal because the previous laws only focused on physical pain. Mm-hmm. The accumulation of the CIA techniques could quickly become illegal because mental suffering was a broad category. Yeah. So taking a naked, cold, severely sleep-deprived and calorie-deprived person, slamming him against a wall, putting him in stress positions, slapping him around, waterboarding him, and then sticking him inside a small box could easily produce great mental suffering, especially if repeated. Oh, right, really? and there's the cumulative effects of that, where any one of those things individually wouldn't be necessarily torture, but because he added this mental issue, mm-hmm. uh, severe mental uh, distress part to the law, now when you stack them up like that, yes, they cre- create the mental, which like is what the torture was. Yeah, it's like you just add all the little dots. And yeah. so now it's a cumulative effect of all of these separate small things that aren't necessarily makes torture on their own mm-hmm. makes torture. Yeah, mm-hmm. which is I think the way it should be. I mean, For sure. It's maybe cra- kind of crazy to that. think that individually yeah, those that, things that wouldn't was, count. That, that was yeah. a, a pioneering thought. I'm all really? That, that's, <laughs> yeah, the government is idea. tricky with their lawmaking. Like, that's why it's so powerful. <laughs> Powerful. They yeah. can just, with just words, they can dictate. Sorry, mm-hmm. go ahead. Oh, no. Um, so there were two opinions that needed to follow Levin's main opinion. First, each of the CIA's techniques needed to be evaluated individually under the new standards. So like AG was just talking about, it might come out that they're not technically torture. Uh, but then the cumulative or combined effects of all the techniques had to be evaluated because nobody used just one technique. And like you said, it was that distinction that informs their recommendation basically yeah i'd be interested in the math too like how many permutations that would be um like how first of all how many techniques they have and then putting two of them together putting these three together putting these four together putting these five together in this order in a reverse order um and how many permutations that is yeah it's, it's got to be a lot oh yeah uh, and i'm oh, sure they had yeah, math guys awful. come in to tell them here's all your different combinations of of possibilities mm-hmm like the four letters that we use to call ourselves ENTJ. Mm-hmm. It's four letters, but there's 16 permutations. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Oh, man. 
I would not want to be a person that has to work on the theory behind that stuff. <laughs> That's oh, definitely geez. something you would learn in statistics. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Not my strong point. There's probably yeah. a computer program that does it now. You just type in the six different things and it Aww, shows it you. It takes the soul all out of it. It <laughs> <laughs> takes the torture out of yeah. it. Yeah, it's the drones of torture. Yeah, that yeah. would be mentally uh, suppressive for me. Oh, for sure. <laughs> definitely. Um, no, I'm not comparing math to CIA no, we're making a funny. Sorry, guys. I'm just don't. making a funny. I don't want the email. So, <laughs> at actual black sites, which I did not know they were called that, uh, they did a whole lot of stuff to their subjects, and they would quickly reach the mental suffering criteria. Levin worked long hours to evaluate what was going on at the black sites exactly, but it was difficult. He never asked him, but Comey suspects suspects that Levin shared his hope that the entire CIA interrogation program would crater under the weight of the requirements. Comey had a lot of voices inside of him screaming about how wrong the torture program was, but his bias just had to stay out of it, and his job was to focus strictly on the legality of it. Though he did hear one voice in his head over and over again, and it was, don't be the torture guy. <laughs> I love that. That is beautiful. Yeah. Thank you, Jordan. Short, catchy. You're welcome. Thank you. Marketing. Yeah. To your husband. Yeah. Don't be the torture. Yeah, she's the best. (laughs) Yeah, so many so much conversation in that one. I dug it though. It's really good. I still gotta go. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, we still have the rest of (laughs) we still have the rest of the chapter two at AG. I know you're like, you've spoken up already, crazy (laughs) woman. Please continue. That's true. I do that a lot. No, we wanted to go that direction with Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's kind of why I didn't want to go into a whole... I just wanted to do one chapter this week because this one was long enough when there was a lot of discussion points in it that I thought we could have brought up mm-hmm. and the next chapter is an hour long. So I didn't want to make you guys have to sit yeah, through Yeah, no, this was perfect. Sit through that. Yeah, yeah. So uh, getting back into the chapter, after Bush was reelected, Ashcroft tendered his resignation. Um, and th- this is a tradition. Um, whenever a president is reelected, the AG always tenders his resignation allowing the president to pick a new person if they want, but they never do. It's mostly for show. Right. Uh, But Bush accepted his resignation. Um, And to add insult to injury, he only gave him a few hours before he would announce it formally. Um, The replacement was also a slap in the face, but to everyone. On November 10th, 2004, Bush nominated Alberto Gonzalez. Hmm. <clears throat> that's one of the lawyers who yeah, was being an asshole. Oh no! That's one of the ones who tried to trick Ashcroft. And yeah, I was going to say that name didn't ring a bell, but I remember the douche personality. Yeah, <laughs> I remember the douche personality. Yeah, they might not remember your name, but they'll remember. Al- how you made you Alberto feel. Gonzalez. Alberto Gonzalez. Uh, he's the one who actively opposed Comey on the rule of law. Comey said that this was quote the age of uh, it, this was an age old presidential mistake. The same same mistake he would try to warn Trump about. Um, problems often come up from justice. So people think that they'll benefit if they put one of their guys uh, as the AG, but Mm -hmm. it always like backfires. It almost always makes things worse to have one of your guys in right. there. Because people assume you're just having that confirmation bias oh, circle all the bad. time. Yeah, it's just yeah. a feedback loop mm-hmm. of, of what you want. Um, Gonzalez called Comey to say that he looked forward to working with him and that he hoped that he would stay. Comey congratulated him and said he looked forward to working with him too. Uh, he was the AG and Comey uh, wanted him to succeed. Uh, but then Comey said, quote, it's not that he was evil. It was that he was weak. Aw. <laughs> like, Dang, Which isn't yeah. worse, but it's just not good for the job. Dang. Yeah, damn. He could be easily overmatched by Addington and Cheney and their view that terrorism justified stretching or breaking the written okay, law. Okay, I see what he means. Yeah, so he's like, just to say, I-, I wanted him to do well. It's not that he was evil. It's just that he was weak. Mm-hmm. Like, 
like uh, you think he's gonna say something nice, but yeah. It doesn't it just comes back and said he, he keeps it real, yeah. And yeah. he's using weak correctly as yes. opposed to the sh- expressing doubt being weak. Exactly. Right. right. That means yeah, overmatched by Addington and Cheney. That's his weakness. Uh, and just like you said, that whole feedback loop of of what you want to hear over and over. Uh, Comey found out later that Bush told Gonzalez to call Comey. He didn't call him by himself. Uh, Comey didn't know it, but because of what he knew and witnessed in the Ashcroft hospital room, Comey was viewed as somewhat of a loaded gun in the eyes of the White House. Oh, my gosh. Uh, one that could go off at any moment, so they handled him with care. Yeah, Comey's a loose cannon. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, because he I know, in he comparison was, to them. Yeah, he was well, going to run to Ashcroft's bed and do that stuff. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but Comey knew he didn't want to serve as, Gonzalez, as Gonzalez's deputy attorney general. So in spring 2005, Comey announced his retirement. Uh, the new AG would want his own deputy anyway. Um, and without Ashcroft, Comey didn't have the stomach for doing this battle again. So he resigned effective August that year, 2005. Wow. Uh, as he was leaving, Cheney kept leaning on Gonzalez to give him the two opinions he needed on interrogation. Uh, in addition to the new attorney general, the leader of the legal council was new. Uh, it's a bright guy named Steve Bradbury. Steve wanted to be formally nominated, uh, and he was being pushed by Cheney to give him the opinions he wanted. Mm-hmm. So Philbin and Comey were disappointed that his opinions were broad. They were untethered to case law and super irresponsible. (laughs) They asked Bradbury to consider a recent case of someone who had been interrogated by the CIA. Comey and Philbin knew of a terrorist that had been in CIA custody and whose interrogation was finished. And they suggested Bradbury describe precisely what had been done to that captive and then offer an opinion as to whether that actual real world combination of actions crossed the legal threshold. Uh, it so happened that the stuff uh, that was done to this particular guy would not have added up to enough to cross the threshold, according to Comey. But that wasn't what Cheney wanted. Cheney didn't want a real-life scenario. Cheney wanted Bradbury to rule on hypothetical situations, um, a typical interrogation, mm-hmm. not what the CIA was actually doing to real human beings. So even though he was handing him a case study mm-hmm. that he could describe and it would have met the legal threshold or not have met the legal threshold of torture— Cheney still just wanted a broad hypothetical that he could apply all sorts of different things to. Exactly. Sounds like Cheney. Yeah. So Comey met with Gonzalez to explain how irresponsible he thought this was to write an opinion on a hypothetical. And he immediately saw the difference between uh, the AG that he respected and his replacement Mm. between Gonzalez and and Ashcroft. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Gonzalez complained about the pressure from Cheney and that the president even asked when they'd be done. Uh, yeah. Welcome uh, to the party. <laughs> Seriously. Yeah. So I'm going to give up my, my morality because I feel pressure. <laughs> uh, and Comey said he understood the pressure, but there were no prototypical interrogations. There's no such thing. They all involved real interrogators reacting to real captives, slapping them, chilling them, cramping them. Um, in permutations and combinations that were all unique. It would be impossible to write an opinion on a typical interrogation without it looking like justice was just writing a blank check to say, do whatever you want. So someday when this all came out, it would look like you caved to the White House pressures and done something we'd all regret. Uh, Comey knew... Uh, that the threat of bad headlines was a good way to get someone's attention in Washington. <laughs> all shallow, He's yeah. like, this is going to come out later. You're going to look like a dick. <laughs> um, Gonzalez agreed with Comey um, as though he'd never thought of that before. He instructed him to work with Bradbury to restructure the approach, and Comey was relieved uh, for a minute mm. because the next night, Comey talked to Gonzalez, uh, his, Gonzalez's chief of staff, who told him the opinions were to be formalized and sent the next day. Zero time. So Comey said to the AG, um, 
or excuse me, Comey said that the AG told him the opposite the day before. But the chief of staff said things had changed. Mm. So what a coward not yeah. being able to call him and tell him himself. Seriously. Right. Mm-hmm. Flip floppy. Yeah. Oh, oh, I lied to you. I'm not going to call you and tell you I did. I'm going to have my chief of staff do it. Um, sounds like somebody who doesn't fire people uh, in person. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, um, Brad, Just by text message. Yeah. <laughs> or Twitter. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Or phone call from John Kelly. Um, Bradbury finalized and signed both opinions. Uh, a week later, the White House started the background check process needed to nominate Bradbury as the assistant AG and the legal battle was over. Hmm. Uh, Comey felt free to do something he hadn't done before since he wasn't a lawyer on the case anymore. He went to the AG, um, Gonzalez, to seek permission to request a policy review of the entire program by the National Security Council. <laughs> Typically, that would lead to a full review by the Security Council's deputy committee, uh, of which Comey was a member, along with uh, other relevant deputies from different cabinets. Mm-hmm. They'd frequently hash out details before their bosses got them, and Comey felt he could make his case uh, in that setting. Don't be the torture guy, right? Yeah. Now, unfortunately, the policy discussion on torture was elevated from the deputies committee to the principals committee, comprised of the top leadership of the major defense and intelligence agencies like the Secretary of Defense, Secretary of State, CIA director and attorney general, mm-hmm. meaning Comey and his team had to prep Gonzalez to speak on their behalf. Ah. So nobody else from justice was allowed to go with him. So Philbin and Comey sat down with Gonzalez to prep him for the May 31st 2005 policy discussion and then Comey Comey goes oh boy (laughs) he's just such a dad Uh, quit farting around Um, Gonzalez said Condoleezza Rice at that point was the Secretary of State was not interested in discussions on the details Rice believed quote if justice says it's legal and the CIA says it's effective that ends it so no need for a policy discussion at that Mm. committee level uh, Comey and Philbin tried to get Gonzalez to realize that just because something was deemed legal on shaky opinions and that um, there were allegations that it was effective, that doesn't make it appropriate. Uh, Comey reminded him that someday these interrogation methods and his shaky legal opinions would all become public. Comey said, quote, I hear there's even a videotape of these interrogations and that would reflect very poorly on the country. And again, that makes me wonder if this isn't what prompted Bush to contact that CIA lady, um, Gina Haspel, and have mm-hmm. her destroy the tapes on torture. Whoa. Um, then yeah. Comey showed Gonzalez a note card he'd compiled with a list of things that could be done to another human being under the legal opinion currently written by Gonzalez and Bradbury. Comey painted a picture of a human being standing naked for days in a cold room with his hands chained overhead to the ceiling, defecating and urinating in a diaper, engulfed in deafening heavy metal music and spending hours uh, under a constant bright light. He's then unchained to be slapped in the face and abdomen. He's slammed against a wall, sprayed with cold water. Then, even though weak from severely reduced calorie liquid diets, he's made to stand and do squats in positions that put extreme stress on his muscles and tendons. And when he can't move any longer, he'll be put in a coffin box for hours before being returned to his ceiling chains. And in special cases, he might be waterboarded. Oh, my goodness. That's what this is, Comey said. And the details matter. I'm sorry, I'm choking up. I can't even imagine doing this to another human person. Uh, Comey wanted all the principals to stare at the card. Uh, and Gonzalez thanked him and asked Comey if he could keep the card and use it at the meeting. So Comey left and hoped that he'd listen. And later in, in a meeting, Gonzalez would tell Comey, unprompted, that he brought the stuff up in that meeting, but all the principals supported the current policy and all parts of it. So no policy were changes, uh, no policy changes were made. The CIA enhanced interrogations could continue. 
uh, human beings in the custody of the United States government would be subject to horrible treatment. Quote, and I never got my card back. <laughs> and I want my pink shirt back. <laughs> yeah. uh, Comey left government service two months later, determined never to return. Wow. Oh, you know, that's quit. not true. Yeah, <laughs> I'm glad he stuck with it. And I wish Trump would have quit. <laughs> yeah, he was never in service to begin with. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> I wish he just would quit before he, like, while he's He did ahead. quit. He ran away five times with bone spurs. Oh, good point. Yeah. yeah. Um, this, that whole last scene just... That was insane. I mean, he really spelled it out. He tried. He tried his, his best, and they ignored him. Because um, they didn't care. Because of their confirmation bias. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, exactly. And it's like, if you think these people are guilty and they have... Whatever they can justify violence, Republicans have been justifying violence for. But Comey knew uh, for decades of developing interrogation techniques in the FBI that those are not they're useless techniques, Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. they got they got what they needed Mm -hmm. by building a rapport, Mm -hmm. yeah, and trusting relationships with the people they were interrogating with their captives. They caught mobsters. They they brought down the Gotti family. They brought down the Gambino family. They brought down. They're going to bring down Trump. Like there's Um, proof you don't need to do these things. There is, but these are bullies that. They love doing these things. Yeah, it's really messed up. I feel like, up. okay, partially that, and I would say partially the fact that they actually believed that it was effective, like the only way. It was but, also political. I yeah. mean, think about going out and saying to Americans that, you know, you're capturing terrorists because you're treating terrorists like shit. That's going to get a lot of the yeah, kind of voters totally you want right. to support you to support you. And then you get a world where Muslims are just <clears throat> so, you know, treated the way they are now. Yeah, right. That's how it happens. Yeah. People that are serving over in Iraq and Afghanistan and or have, it's like labeling, you know, the brown people that live over there as these beasts basically mm-hmm. to, to justify captured. what they have to do yeah. over there mm-hmm. I mean, most people like, who've served in combat and and this isn't all veterans and because combat i think less than two percent of veterans are combat veterans mm-hmm. who've served alongside um people in the middle east in iraq and afghanistan oef oif ond um in the first gulf war etc and they have translators and people who they work with in the iraqi army and in oh uh, like allies yeah they don't have that bias against right Muslims. but your average american that's protected by these people yeah your average american who might. thinks they were in the military and mm. supports the military and yeah. wants you to stand during the national and congratulate anthem you for a purple and heart wants a torture program they think that they're the that they deserve to be absolutely shit on and treated this mm-hmm. way and yeah. that's not the case and, and yeah. most of the veterans i know are like that's just the most fucked up shit that's why i, I like wish i had that experience i don't unfortunately the people that i know you know calling this is like such a horrible term but goat effers yeah have you heard that before totally it's only in ireland oh really <laughs> strangely enough the less brown country yeah this is yeah my i don't want to name who it is but it's out there life, people but, say but it, yeah, yeah they're it's like they're combat they're combat active duty combat um marine oh this mm-hmm. person was in combat mm-hmm. yeah i've, I've oh, heard these yeah. people too it's not the majority I, I would imagine that most people that have been through this and are actually affected by it they would know better but yeah i've heard these people who yeah. feel that way and are in the military yeah and that's what really sucks but i think yeah i trust your experience yeah it only makes sense the general right it's just from these are from the combat vets that i know yeah mm-hmm. these are also um deeply 
um, artistic and, and creative people who I work with in the community who right. want to help others. So they might be predispositioned yeah, to, yeah. they might be predispositioned to have a, a more of a, a right. see the better angels of our humanity. Right. Than somebody else. I want to, yeah, right. I want to trust that because I want to feel like that's the majority just based on common sense. It's like once you meet people, just like racism in our own, you know, backyard, it, it helps to, to reach out and to work with others. And, you know, traveling is like the best thing for, for that kind of discrimination. So these people probably haven't really traveled the way they said, or they're just racist that are never going to stop I, being racist. Yeah, you know? I honestly think like these, the ones that I'm talking about, they've been on record as saying they legitimately enjoy being in combat and, mm. and like the, the people that they're working with, like you said, the translators and everything, I, can only imagine they have respect and camaraderie with them because they're working together to right. complete their mission. And this is kind of true about anybody who's a racist or a bigot mm-hmm. is that they, if they, they say, I have a black friend, for example, mm. and they do, they have these individual people who they don't hold in that. Ben Carson's. Yeah. <laughs> do you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So it's like, you know, there are a lot of misogynists who have wives that, yeah, they, like tr- you're the that they respect. You're the good one. But they, you know, they still have that whole bias that, yeah, uh, you're against totally an entire right. group of people. That's right. that's why that whole I have a black friend thing doesn't fucking fly with me. It should not. Yeah. <laughs> right. It's, it's like, <laughs> really? That's your mm. argument? Mm. Mm. Yeah. 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 Do better. You live do in better Harlem. That. Right. Yeah. You don't have to say it if it's true. Like, if you have to say I'm not a racist, like, maybe your actions aren't showing that. Yeah. You know? And I think the fact that I even know that they say that and they feel that strongly against these people in general is a bad sign just in terms of you know what comey's saying when that gets out that's going to look bad that looks horrible totally to know that there are people that are actually saying that and are super racist like it breaks my it breaks my heart just for the legitimacy of their work and and they're still and and what is it about you that you don't want to help them racism is a good like thing to break down like what i haven't figured it out obviously i'm just like i would love to think that it could end someday but a part of me feels like no matter what shade like if we're all shades of brown then they'll find different shades of brown to make fun of or well they do it within the black totally. community yes black people slaves who are light skin black slaves mm-hmm. yeah there's all no, kinds well no i mean people who are light skin black versus dark skin oh black. totally yeah more uh, modern it's in the gay racism. community people who are more gay than right. the gay person yeah uh, in in we just want to close that margin i think is the goal it may there may be one racist in every civilization but if we can just make them that one weirdo and not like a thousand KKK members or something, that we would need be to it. not make it oak sanctioned by the government. First of all, yes, we need to not have a president that supports it. Exactly, yeah. uh, and we need to make it embarrassing and shameful to be that way overtly. Yep. That's it. Uh, yeah, we're always, all, always, all the time, no matter what, until the end of time, going to have implicit bias mm-hmm. and implicit prejudice, and yeah. we just need to recognize it and cope with it and deal with it and, and set up fail safe so that we don't act upon it or so that we don't discriminate. Uh, but for overt racist assholes it needs to be not sanctioned by the government and it needs to be embarrassing and Mm -hmm. disgusting draw a hard line Mm -hmm. yeah and i will stomp a nazi's face i don't care i'll do Mm -hmm. it too oh yeah Um, so don't yeah, I'm pretty non-pacifist when it comes to that stuff. <laughs> yeah, I, I, yeah, I will not I'll be a snowflake Spencer in with your face. Doc Martens and your blackly. <laughs> yeah. I just don't have time for it. Like, yeah. There's the racism. No, I'm not going to go way. out like I did in high school <laughs> and go to punk shows and try to find Nazis and beat them up. I'm, I'm a little oh. old for that. Yeah, but I am going to wherever I see racism or misogyny or mm-hmm. sexism, I am going to call it out and I'm going to embarrass that person. Yeah, homophobia, Islamophobia. I'm, I think they're yeah. just beyond embarrassment, though. I think yeah. they're just not well, because. 
comfortable of with Trump. feeling shame. They used to. And that's a big part of it, yeah. too. Yeah. But I had a deeper conversation with this person, too. And it's like they love helping the children over there, for example. Mm. But people that are adults that are over there, they just assume that if they have any part in any of the violence, then they just reduce them to like barbaric beasts. Does this person know that children become adults? <laughs> <laughs> or that children can be a part of it too. Like if they can see the good in the kids and the kids that are sometimes in these, you know, organizations that are violent, then they can see the good in an, in an adult, but they're choosing not to. It's a, yeah, very right. I think, yeah, I think it's more so the, the civilian versus oh, okay. part of the, I don't even. You're right. Like if they saw a kid with a bazooka, they'd probably be like, well, you're not one of my, you know, favorites. Yeah, or if yeah, your only exposure imagine. to it is um, uh, them cutting off your friend's head or exactly. shooting your buddy. Mm-hmm. Exactly. That's where I think it ultimately stems from. Mm-hmm. Not right. them just being overtly racist, but the result of it is that they're being overtly racist and you have the american people that are looking to this people to uphold our values as a country well i wish they realized that was connected to religion and not skin color yeah mm-hmm. yeah but that, that's exactly. a whole other discussion yeah uh you guys this has been an awesome episode i'm glad we left a uh, time i'm glad we only did one chapter i'm glad we left time for a lot of that discussion i think we got a lot we got a lot of scientific research in there yeah, we did. A lot of social, um, i think we yeah. solved racism and ended uh, world hunger yeah and had I a think, kanye quote yeah we slipped I, it in there i think now the palestinian two-state solution is finished and go. we're set yes <laughs> okay nice job all in the day's thank work thank you yeah you're welcome everyone high five mm. <laughs> anyway this no seriously this has been a great episode thank you so much thank you for being a patron you are seriously making every everything work here yeah it wouldn't work without you so uh, we really appreciate it um if you if you don't believe me go listen to earlier episodes and see how they sound <laughs> oh yes <laughs> and you'll you see, will know you'll see how important you are and you can say i did that <laughs> so uh anyway you guys thank you so much i've been ag i've been jaleesa johnson i've been jordan coburn and this is muller she wrote Muller She Wrote is produced and engineered by AG with editing and logo design by Jaleesa Johnson. Market consulting by Amanda Reeder at Unicorn Creative. Our digital media director and subscriber managers are Jordan Coburn and Sarah Hirschberger Valencia. Our partners are fastgrass.org and joysteaspoon.com. Fact checking and research by AG with support from Jaleesa Johnson and Jordan Coburn. Muller She Wrote staff includes AG, Jaleesa Johnson, Jordan Coburn, Sarah Hirschberger Valencia, Jesse Egan, and Sarah Lee Steiner. Our web design and branding are by Joelle Reeder with Moxie Design Studios, and our website is MullerSheWrote.com. Season four of How We Win is here. For the past four years, we've been making history in critical elections all over the country. And last year, we made history again by expanding our majority in the Senate, beating election-denying Republicans in crucial state house races, and fighting back a non-existent red wave. But the MAGA Republicans who plotted and pardoned the attempted overthrow of our government now control the House thanks to gerrymandered maps and repressive anti-voter laws. And the chaotic spectacle we've already seen shows us just how far they will go to seize power, dismantle our government, and take away our freedoms. So the official podcast of The Persistence is back with season four. 
there's so much more important work ahead of us to fight for equity, justice, and our very democracy itself. We'll take you behind the lines and inside the rooms where it happens with strategy and inspiration from progressive changemakers all over the country. And we'll dig deep into the weekly news that matters most and what you can do about it with messaging and communications expert, co-founder of Way to Win, and our new co-host, Jennifer Fernandez-Ancona. So join Steve and I every Wednesday for your weekly dose of inspiration, action, and hope. I'm Steve Pearson. And I'm Jennifer Fernandez-Ancona. And And this this is is How We Win. Win. SW Media. Hi, this is John Cryer, and I am hosting a new seven-part true crime podcast called Lawyers, Guns, and Money that'll challenge everything you think you know about U.S. covert operations and presidential misconduct. From Jack Bryan, the director of American PSYOP, comes the incredible true story of John Mattis, a newly sworn-in Miami public defender in the 1980s who has found himself completely in over his head. I step off the plane, and there is a van with a couple guys with Uzis. And one of them in broken English said, Welcome to Bogota, John. Mattis's first felony defendant has been arrested for having a machine gun and tells Mattis a dangerous secret. He was shipping arms into Central America on behalf of the CIA As a first-time lawyer, I want to act like I know what I'm doing. But with the help of a Colombian drug smuggler... How much money the CIA raised by hitting up drug dealers? A lot of money, millions of dollars. An Alabama mercenary... They were prepared to die to the last man. I saw this in them. I saw the fire in their eyes. And they made me their war chief. And a newly elected senator, John Kerry... We are looking at allegations of drug running, gun smuggling, conspiracy to commit murder and murder itself. He'll fight to free his client. The judge said, show me in a courtroom how we were at war. Expose an illegal war being run by the White House. I mean, I wanted him involved, but I didn't want to be on record as doing it. And somehow stay alive in the process. I just escaped a kidnapping by the CIA in Costa Rica. This is Lawyers, Guns, and Money. So you have a man in an Armani suit standing on the bow of a boat with a rocket launcher and says, if I lose sight of you, I will launch. You will be vaporized. Available everywhere starting October 29th. Or get it ad-free and early starting October 22nd at lawyersgunsandmoney.supercast.com. There you'll find bonus episodes along with exclusive content. Subscribe now.